Welcome back to an episode on Aligned with Purpose in Life and Leadership. And today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Karen Hardwick. And she is a psychotherapist turned leadership consultant with a Master's of Divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary. Her unique approach blends modern psychology, spirituality, and leadership principles and has been the catalyst for transforming the lives of countless Fortune 1000 leaders at work and home. Her book, The Connected Leader, shows people how to use the seven strategies of connection to become their best selves as parents, spouses, and leaders at work. No stranger to life's messiness, Karen knows firsthand from her personal journey and the leaders she's coached that connection is what we crave. Connection heals our wounds, awakens our souls, and ushers us into our most authentic, courageous, and empowered selves. This is going to be great. Karen, welcome to the show. Okay, Jamie, with that introduction, the pressure is really on now. (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you are so welcome. So I've started this new thing on the show, and our previous guest, Natalie Spaeth, came up with a question for you. And that is, if you were to choose anyone, now no pressure, okay, no pressure. If you were to choose anyone, they could be alive or deceased, okay, and you could sit down with them and you could ask them a question, what would that be? Uh, I am absolutely speechless. That is really, I mean, on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, what comes up to me, and so I'm just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. I would ask my mother who died when I was 22. Um, what was her biggest regret in life? And yet, because I really believe there are no regrets, I would say to her, but mom, what did you learn from that? Oh, Ooh, I just got full body chills. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to have that conversation with her. Love it. Mm, That is so beautiful. Mm, Thank you so much for sharing. And so you have just, you have just gone through such a transformational journey for yourself. And what seems like now you've written a book about, you're now sharing this with clients. So I would love to truly just hear from you. What do you feel like it means to really be aligned with your purpose? Hmm. Gathering my thoughts, Jamie, for Mm. me, being aligned with your purpose is, well, it's a lifelong journey. It's not something that happens when we just flip a switch, right? So it's more like going on an archaeological dig. That's what I'm thinking. That's the image in my mind. We learn about ourselves and we take in as much as we possibly can in the moment during a certain season And then when we are ready, the powers that be take us deeper. And then we spend some time on that level, taking it in and absorbing it. And then we go deeper. And so I think our purpose evolves with us as our sense of self, as our connection to ourself grows and heals and awakens. Mm. Mm, That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I feel so often people are looking for a switch. 
I was in that right, like immediate gratification. You know, I, I like to say a lot that addiction is the real epidemic that we're living with. And as much as the drug and alcohol addictions are heartbreaking and terrifying, there are so many other addictions. And this addiction to instant gratification and having to have our way immediately else we have to have constant distractions is huge you know don't you think on some level we're all suffering from addiction to busyness and not being able to sit with ourselves a hundred percent and I feel like those are the most insidious because we look to alcohol and drugs and gambling and all of these addictions that the outside world sees as a problem but we're not looking at what's happening inside you know, I, I'm, I'm in recovery. And so this is one of my really big passions. And I love to talk about it in kind of discerning appropriate ways. And one of my favorite models of addiction, and maybe you're familiar with this, Jamie, is the iceberg model. And so on the tip of the iceberg, there's the behavior we see, whether it be drug use, alcohol use, addiction to porn, shopping, social media, whatever it is that people use. And there's a ton of things that we use as human beings to numb ourselves, to distract ourselves, to step out of our pain. And yet that's really not the problem. It's the symptom. Mm. I think this is what you were saying, because underneath the waterline, where the really big piece of the iceberg sits, We have hustling for approval and self-deception and self-loathing and all those things, trauma, hurt, woundedness, unresolved grief, that then leads to the behaviors that we see. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, just thank you for sharing that about yourself as well for a moment. I too feel like I was, I was consumed by numbing myself for so many years. And so if someone's listening to this and they're they're like, okay, you know what? I think that's me. I feel like Mm -hmm. I have maybe been numbing myself, but I'm not sure how to look below the surface and find what the the bottom of that iceberg actually looks like. So what would you say to them? Yeah. I would say to them that this is not a do-it-yourself life. Mm And so as much as we need to connect with ourselves, and that that is really the crux of our ability to grow and awaken, we can't connect to ourselves totally by ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need trusted guides, people who have done the journey, who are still on the journey, who can help us find our way back home to our true self. So that's what I would say is find trusted guides. This is a really hard, wonderful, rewarding journey. And we need people to help us read the map. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And now you're very much in the leadership space. So tell me more about this journey and what started the connected leader in your book. Mm. You know, I run to connection as fast as I possibly can. We're wired to connect. We're neurobiologically wired to connect. We need connection as much as we need water, air, safety, all those things. However, 
sometimes we think we're connecting when we're really disconnecting and our culture pushes us into disconnection. Mm -hmm. Try this diet, get this title, change relationships, social media is the answer. And all of those have their purpose and their timing. But when we think of those things as the solution, we become disconnected. So I became fascinated with the idea of connection. First of all, because I've had many seasons of disconnection in my life. Even those seasons that might have passed for connection, now looking back at them on in, in the rearview mirror, I'm like, yeah, I wasn't at my healthiest. I wasn't making the kinds of decisions that were coming from a holistic perspective inside of myself, right? So I think I wrote the book because I was observing in my clients who are global executives, what connection really looks like in the workplace. At the same time, I was on a parallel process in my own journey. So I started to see the things that really start to fuel connection. And I became more and more fascinated with that whole concept. Beautiful, beautiful. And now you've mentioned social media here. And I feel like some people listening might say, well, we're more connected now than ever, right? I can sit down on my computer and I can talk to someone who's over in the UK or in Africa, all at the touch of my fingers. So you're saying we're actually not connected. I would love to hear more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's such a nuanced topic, right? It's pretty complex. I think that all of our technological advances have brought a lot of benefits to us. So I'm not throwing out the baby with the bathwater by any means. I mean, we have information at our fingertips. It's really all edifying and helpful unless that becomes our focus. Mm. When that becomes our focus, like I need more, I need more information. I need more scrolling. And we're doing that instead of learning about ourselves or spending time with loved ones or doing work that matters or finding some way to serve our community, when that becomes the primary way of interacting, there's something that shuts down inside of us. This whole scrolling, the whole physical process of it, there's research that shows how addictive that is, mm. that those little pings that we get actually creates the same kind of dopamine hits that cocaine creates in the brain. So the people who created all of this clearly knew what they were doing to pull us in more and more to that activity. And that it's, it's like with anything, one is okay, but if one is not enough and a thousand is not enough, and what is enough? Mm. So it's that disease of more that we have to be mindful of. Mm. Does that make sense, Jamie? Oof. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah? And if okay. it never feels like enough and you're constantly chasing and seeking for something external than yourself, it's like, nope, you've got to take the flashlight, turn it inwards. And yeah. I feel like that's it's like a, it's a form of numbing we, we were just talking about. It is a form of numbing. Yeah. And there's so much that people want to escape from mm -hmm. and understandably so. So nothing that I'm saying has judgment or criticism 
in it. This is not to add to people's shame or people's perspective that, oh, I'm doing something wrong or I'm not enough or it's one more thing to work on. Now, my invitation to people is what would life be like if you were more connected to your true self? If you were brave and were willing to look at the unresolved grief, what could get cleared away and what could be brought in? Oh, that's beautiful. So what would be a first step to Mm. further connection with one's true self? I'm only speaking for myself, right? I have a sample of one. That would be me. Um, There we go. But, And I've also observed this in a lot of other people around me and in my clients. From my experience, Jamie, I have this beautiful practice that I call chasing slow. Mm. Okay. And the net net of it, I'm going to just kind of like move forward into the result of it. Chasing slow helped me to heal my heart, renew my spirit, and hear my life actually changing. And so what that practice means for me is that I become much more mindful in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that didn't just happen. So I had to have practices that supported that. And when I say mindful, that doesn't mean blissful. I mean, it just sometimes means being present to to whatever is happening. So if life feels messy or overwhelming or painful, I can lean into that instead of running from that. And that also means I'm present to the joy and the gratitude and the sense of oneness that I can have so many moments like that throughout the day as well. So the practice that I do is getting up very early. And so I invite people to spend time with themselves before they do anything before they pick up the phone, before they answer an email, before they even interact with other human beings in the house. Like get up, spend time with yourself, spend time with God or whatever spiritual presence you have, if you have a spiritual presence and tune into that through meditation, through prayer, through journaling, through reading inspirational literature, through just being quiet. And then you take that with you into the day. So how we do the morning, I've learned, is how we do the day. And when I don't do that practice on the very, very, very rare occasion that I don't do it or I cut it really short, it affects my day, Jamie. Mm. Mm. Wow. And was there ever a time in your life where you felt like you got up, went to work, didn't give yourself that time. Maybe maybe you had breakfast, you got ready. Kind of like right. what I feel a lot of people do, right? They just yeah, right. And get their day started. So I would love to just hear the shift that happened because you made this change. And I know I you can, started, but oof. Yeah, I can feel it now, Jamie. So for instance, like again, on the rare occasion, this has become wow. such a vitamin for my soul. Like it, I have to do this in the morning. However, sometimes and rarely, but sometimes I cut it short for whatever reason. And I can feel it affecting me throughout the day. I don't have enough presence. I can feel cranky 
or irritable. Now I can still be cranky and irritable even when I have this practice in the morning, but I'm also able to own it more. I become more reactive when I don't give myself to this practice in the morning and I become less intentionally present. So I can feel, and I also don't turn to God as much as I would in real time when I leapfrog over this practice in the morning. So the whole, my whole day just goes more smoothly, even when there are, you know, tough things to deal with. Ooh, yeah, that time is crucial. I have to agree with you. I have a morning practice as well. And the days I miss it, I almost feel like the rug was like ripped out from underneath me. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Life just feels a little bit messier when I don't have that grounding sense in the morning. Yeah. Oof. Now, I want to bring this back to your book because I know okay. that is something you've poured your heart and your soul into. And I want to dive into, so there's the seven strategies of connection. Are you okay dropping into what those look like? Yeah, I okay. can do that. Okay. We'll, do the, we'll do the drive-by, right? Yes. Um, we'll do a really fast summary of those. So I want to start by saying, as much as we're neuro, neurobiologically wired to connect, we cannot really lead others or connect with others until we learn to connect with ourselves. Mm. And connection, as I define in the book, is this abiding sense that three things coexist in order to create these healthy connections. One would be a sound sense of self. So how do we connect with ourselves? That's a lifelong process. Two is having some transcendent experience, some spiritual sense of there's something greater than myself that I'm here to serve, a purpose, God, whatever it is for the individual, something bigger, right? a higher power, then and only then can we do the third, which is connect with others. And these are all happening simultaneously and they're never, it's never perfect. But when we have a sense of self and a connection to a higher purpose, we're more apt to show up to other people. So having said that, the seven pillars of connection are about connecting consciously. So connection becomes a way of life. It's intentional. It's purposeful. We learn to listen deeply. Again, it starts with ourselves. How can I listen deeply so I can show up, Jamie, and listen more to you? And that's listening to both what you say and what you don't say. Am I okay with silence? Can we, I just hold this with the two of us. And if I'm not comfortable with what's going on inside of me, it's going to be harder to do that with you. Three, we exhibit empathy. Again, it starts with ourselves. I have to be able to show myself compassion in order be, to be able to sit with someone else's feelings and do that in a way that's just safe and present. Curiosity. And all of these kind of interact together. You can start to see, in order to be empathetic, for instance, 
I have to be curious. Like when you tell me something, Jamie, I would like to say, well, tell me more. Can you dig deeper about that? I really want to know a little bit more about that, right? So curiosity is really a game changer. But we also have to be curious about ourselves because if we're not curious about ourselves, we shut down conversations with others. And then there's accountability. How in the world (laughs) do I own my stuff? I have to be able to own my mess. I have to be able to show up and be responsible. And I also have to be able to own my belovedness. And that's sometimes harder than owning our mess. And again, once we can do that more gently with ourselves, we can help others be more accountable. Navigating chaos with a sense of calm. And I like to say, it's all chaos. Like, isn't it? I mean, it's just all chaos. And how do we learn to move through those times in our lives, not with a sense of toxic positivity, not with a sense of, oh, it's, it's all okay, it's all supposed to be this way, but with a sense of we can find our way through. We have wisdom, we have strength, and we're going to be able to do whatever we have to do to move ahead. And the last, the seventh pillar is courage-based confidence. So we're a culture that hangs our hats on all of our outside trophies. And that's the kind of thing that most people draw confidence from. I've got this degree. I've got this title. I know how to do this thing. And there's nothing wrong with any of those at all. But I'm talking about a kind of confidence that comes from within. It's knowing that we all have had a hero's journey, that we've all gone through really tough stuff. And the tough stuff helps us to see that we're courageous and we can do hard things. And that's the kind of confidence that inspires other people. When you say, I've been through a really tough time. This is what I've learned. Here's how I've risen up. So that's a quick thumbnail sketch drive through of those seven pillars. First off, could you imagine if everyone in the world took the opportunity to read this book and just really sat with each pillar? I mean, I know that's why you wrote it, but I just imagine a world where everybody is really looking for this connection and actively living it. Oh, it'd be so beautiful. Well, from your mouth to God's ears. I mean, really, right? I mean, the whole idea of this is, and peppered throughout the whole book is my story of mistakes and missteps and grief and loss and what I've learned from all those things. And that's what people are telling me when they write a review or they reach out to me or they bring me in for a speaking. That's what makes the difference for them is my own transparency and vulnerability. Mm. Um, yeah, this is the way through for sure. And it happens in the workplace and at home. So I say that leaders are anyone. Who has people entrusted to their care? Mm. Stay-at-home parents, people in the boardroom, community leaders. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, 
to those who are listening and who by that drive-by are very excited about this book, where <laughs> can they find it? Yeah, so it's available wherever books are sold. Okay. Um, easily found. Yeah, thanks for asking. Mm. Yes, 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 of course. And something that came to mind just as you were highlighting is I feel like in the world we live in, I'm going to try to explain this in a concise way. I feel like conversations begin and end very quickly. I feel like someone, I've witnessed someone at one point saying, you know what? I'm just, I'm feeling miserable at my job or I'm feeling like I'm barely making ends meet. And they could say this to a family member and their family member will say something like, oh, well, you should just be thankful. You've got a roof over your head. You've got a beautiful family. And then move on and move on right. with the rest of the conversation. And, and I'm sitting here and I'm, I, I've actually, I was witnessing this actually at a family dinner. I watched this conversation happen and I'm over here like that person is seeking guidance and connection with you right now. And you just shut the door in their face and tried to move on. And I, I see this every day when people ask, how are you doing? They just say, oh, I'm good. And then walk away. It's like all of these opportunities for connection and all these doors, I feel like are being slammed back in someone's face for trying. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. That's <sighs> so beautifully stated. And and what is, I mean, how painful for you to witness that yeah. here. Here's my um, thought about that for what it's worth. People typically shut down conversations when they are even having a hard time connecting with themselves. Mm. So that person who might have said, well, you should be so grateful because you have all these things to focus on that are so-called positive is probably telling themselves that same thing. So when they're having a tough moment, the inner talk that they have is you shouldn't be feeling that way. Don't share that. Don't make yourself vulnerable. So their own self-criticism then flows out onto mm. someone else. Mm, and that's that, so right. Do, oh, do you think it. that fits? That, that fits. And I mean, obviously everything we see is a mirror for what we're truly struggling with, where we're not free. And so, yes, yes, it makes sense. So that person was really just reflecting how they're feeling internally back on. And yeah. Wow. So that's interesting because I mean, it happens in passing when I, when I ask them like, yeah. how are you feeling today? They're like, I'm good. And then walk away. So it's in those moments. I feel I need a reminder. The coach in me wants to come out every time. So I, <laughs> but I'm like, I need that remi- reminder to just Ooh, try to be that mirror for them first off, but mm. I'll give them that space. Like you said, I feel that's something else I really would like to highlight. People always feel that the need to respond right away or solve everyone's problems. And I feel like that's not ultimately what they need in a connection. Now, now let me know your thoughts on this. I feel like people need this space. They want to be asked questions so they can find the answers within themselves. They don't want to be told. They don't want to be told. They want to find it inside. I don't think any of us want to be told. We all, (laughs) I know I don't. Um, I think what we're looking for is the grace and dignity to have our own journey and to have other people trust that we have what it takes to rise up 
to learn from our mistakes, to connect with our true selves. Uh, I have tried to rescue and fix and heal people for many a moon in my life until I had to stop because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I learned very early on in life that my worth was about putting my superhero cape on and rushing in and being in charge and helping people feel better, mm. except no one really felt better and no one ever wants to be saved. Mm. We are here to find ourselves and to have guides along the way who can hold space for us. So one of the things I have found to be most powerful, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about this in your own life, Jamie, is when someone tells us something really hard, it's okay to say, thank you so much for telling me that. I am just holding that with you right now. I'm just holding that. And then, then typically they'll say more. But the, the, the responses we're taught to say like, oh, I understand what you're going through. Or I've went through something just like that. Or bless your heart. Or don't worry, it's God's plan. Or you should be so grateful. Look at all this good stuff just reinforces that sense of shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So a reminder to listeners, it's okay to say, thank you for telling me that. I'm just holding that with you right now. Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful response because they just, they just need space. And it's true. If you even, if you, if you're used to speaking out right away, Maybe count to three in your head and see if they start talking again, because they probably will. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think sometimes we fill up the space to assuage our own anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've got to say something. This is uncomfortable. Um, or I've got to hustle for approval by giving a solution, sounding like I'm intelligent. Right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Well, I feel like I could talk to you all day. <laughs> oh, I know. We're having a great conversation. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. And, okay, so we've got a place to find your book, which is anywhere books are sold, so that makes it easy. And I kind of prefaced this conversation with this, but what would be a question you would like me to ask the next guest coming on here? Okay, here's what pops into my mind. Um, what was the hardest season of your life? Mm. Ooh. And what did you learn? Oh, I, love I love that question. That's going to be a beautiful start to that next show. And do you feel like anything else comes to mind that you would like to share? It could be a book recommendation or just any final thoughts. I'm just delighted that you had me here. Grateful to be in on the conversation with you. Um, people can find, I have a beautiful complimentary 21 day guided workbook mm. for connection. And that's found on my website, karenjhardwick.com. So we'd, love for you to join us in that journey beautiful beautiful i'll add the link in the show notes as well so they can click over and find that but 
Thank you so much for just being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jamie.